Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, April 11th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap all the action at the TROP this weekend. As the Orioles, well, they did struggle in their opening weekend of the year, swept by the Tampa Bay Rays to open the 2022 season. And I'll give you my three big takeaways from the weekend series. First, the O's bullpen, which was the positive by far of the weekend. Second, we'll talk about the starting pitchers not named John Means and why they struggled in their first go-around. And third, we'll talk Orioles offense and why, despite a lot of hits and runners on base, they could not get any, basically, runs on the board. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today we're breaking down the first three games of the season for the Baltimore Orioles as they were swept by the Tampa Bay Rays at the Trop this weekend to open the year. And today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag, where you can get all your odds, you can get all your lines, you can get sports podcasts, you can get news, you can get everything you need at betonline.net. Again, that is betonline.net, where the game starts. And for the Orioles, you know, the game started Friday with their opening day, but... Uh, didn't go great for the O's. They fall 2-1 to one on Friday. They fall 5-3 to three on Saturday. And they fall 8 to nothing on Sunday and are swept by the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm going to get into the three big takeaways from the weekend. But first, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And we're free and available here on YouTube as well. If you're watching, make sure to hit that red subscribe button. Like, comment, subscribe to the videos here. Really helps us out a lot. Uh, trying to get that subscriber count up further and further. But thank you guys for getting us over 200 subscribers on YouTube. Trying to keep going. If you're just an audio person, that's perfectly fine. I love listening to podcasts as well. If you could just flip over to the YouTube page, give us a quick subscribe. Doesn't change your life. You don't get random emails in your box. You don't get a bunch of alerts. No, no, no. It just helps out the pod if you can hit that subscribe button and then continue to listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star rating and a review there if you can as well. But again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, three big takeaways from a rough first weekend of Orioles baseballs. Again, they are swept by the Tampa Bay Rays and the Orioles start the season 0-3 for the first time since 2007, it has been 15 years since the Orioles started a year 0-3. And, and that has to be surprising because in those previous 15 seasons, 11 have been losing seasons. And some of them a lot of losses, especially recently. So it is a little surprising that they hadn't gotten swept in the opening series until now. But again, 2007. Remember last year, the Orioles went to Fenway, swept the Red Sox to open the season. 2020, the Orioles also went to Fenway, took two of three from the Red Sox to open the season. 2019, they went to Yankee Stadium, took two of three from the Yankees to open the season. So the O's have generally, you know, done fairly well 
to open the year. They're one of the best opening day teams of all time, which helps. You know, you think back to 2017 with Mark Trumbo, 2018 with Adam Jones. That was back-to-back years where they walked it off on opening day at home. So this team generally has been really good early in the season, whether or not they're bad or they're good for the rest of the year. That was not the case this weekend. And some of that, to be fair, did have to do with who they were playing. The Tampa Bay Rays, who have now beaten the Orioles 15 consecutive times. The O's went 1-18 against the Rays last year. Overall, they have won just two of their last 29 meetings with the Rays. That is the worst stretch in any 29-game sample against any team in Orioles history. Never before have the Orioles lost 27 of 29 games to any opponent. And that's what they've done against the Rays. The Rays have just simply owned the Orioles, and that's been a huge reason why the Rays have won back-to-back divisions, is that, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox have at times struggled with the Orioles over the last couple of years, more than they should have, and the Rays have taken care of business, and that's why they've won back-to-back AL East. But we want to get to the three big takeaways from this weekend. And the first big takeaway is, listen, there was a lot of negatives to go along with an 0-3 weekend, but the big positive was the Orioles' bullpen was, honestly, they were fantastic this weekend. The final stats from the bullpen, 14 and a third innings, 11 hits, five earned runs allowed. They struck out 13 batters and walked five. That's a 3.14 bullpen ERA. And you got to remember that's with the starters going four innings, five innings, and an inning and two thirds. That's a lot of work from a bullpen. And you look at 3.14, that's pretty good. But let's take out what happened really right at the end. If you look at the bullpen stats before they got to the seventh inning on Sunday, that's when Paul Fry ended up allowing four runs in the seventh, kind of broke that game open on Sunday. Before the seventh inning on Sunday, the Orioles went 12 and a third innings pitched out of the bullpen, allowing just one run on six hits, 12 strikeouts to three walks. That was a .73 bullpen ERA entering the seventh on Sunday. That's pretty good. And... Listen, even though Paul Fry got destroyed in the seventh, he came back and he worked a scoreless eighth in the game on Sunday. Now, the Rays were already up 8-0, but still, good stuff happened from this bullpen. And that is the number one just huge positive to take out of this weekend is that the O's bullpen was great. And if they can keep doing that, now, it's not going to be that good, but remember back to 2020, that was kind of the, you know, the big positive from the season was the bullpen. Maybe that could be the case Again, I just wanted to highlight some of the guys who really stood out. First of all, Felix Bautista. You know, congrats to him. He was the one guy on this opening day roster who had yet to make his major league debut. Well, he makes it on Sunday in relief of Tyler Wells, comes in. First batter he faces is Wander Franco, and he strikes him out to end the second inning on Sunday. Then he works through the third, gets another strikeout. Inning in the third, scoreless, two Ks in MLB debut. Fastball, 97 to 99. Really good-looking changeup. Really happy with Felix Bautista. I was really impressed by CNL Perez. I tweeted this out on Saturday that my most impressive Oriole from opening day, the 2-1 to loss Friday, was Perez coming out of the bullpen. Threw a 1-2-3 inning on Friday with two strikeouts. He was throwing gas, a lot of fastballs up in the zone. He looked good. That was a really good waiver claim, I think, by the Orioles. The other waiver claim, Brian Baker, had a scoreless inning Friday, threw a scoreless sixth inning on Sunday, came back out, allowed an infield single to start the seventh inning, which probably should have been an out if not for a bad throw by Rugnet Odor. He leaves the game. Paul Fry comes in, gives up some runs. One gets charged to Baker, but overall I thought Baker was really good over the weekend. And then really your bullpen star and and the number one surprise of the entire weekend was Keegan Aiken. 
I couldn't believe what I was watching in Saturday's game. And yeah, Keegan Aiken had certainly had some stretches when he first came up in 2020 where he was promising. Even in 2021, he had some good stretches. Remember, he had the the no-hitter through six innings in that one start against Toronto last year before it fell apart and the Orioles gave up 10 runs in the seventh. So he's had his moments. But that was the best Keegan Aiken has ever looked. He came out of the pen on Saturday after Jordan Lyles pitched five innings. And Aiken finished the game. You know, that was huge for the Oriole pen this weekend. They only had to use two pitchers in Saturday's 5-3 to three loss. Aiken finishes out the game going three scoreless innings. He allowed just one hit. He was the only base runner. Struck out three, no walks. He got 10 whiffs in three innings. That was, in terms of percentage-wise, the best outing by any Orioles pitcher since 2018 to get that percentage of whiffs with the amount of pitches he threw. He threw 31 pitches. 27 of them were strikes, and 10 of them were swings and misses. Fastball, changeup, slider was what he was throwing in there. I mean, it looked like a completely different pitcher in Keegan Aiken's 2022 debut. And for me, I mean, listen, I've got my issues with Keegan Aiken, and I've let that be known on this podcast, but if he's going to pitch like that, that is huge for the Orioles, and that's going to help this team immensely. And maybe he's going to be one of those pitchers from the middle group of starters that's going to step up. But he was fantastic. And Keegan Aiken talked after the game. He said it's the best he's felt. And he said he really enjoyed coming out of the bullpen. So it kind of makes you wonder about Aiken. What is the next step? Because obviously he was a candidate to pitch in the role he did on Saturday. He could potentially be shortened out of the pen through one or two innings. He could potentially be the piggyback after Tyler Wells. He could also be the fifth starter. The Orioles have yet to name a starter for Tuesday's game against Milwaukee. So at least as of this recording here on Sunday evening, they haven't named a starter. And theoretically, he threw 31 pitches in three innings. That starter still could be Keegan Aiken for Tuesday's game. It would be obviously two days of rest, but Brandon Hyde didn't rule it out that maybe he could throw another three innings on Tuesday, start the game, and then they could go to the pen. I don't think that's ideal, but we will see. And that you know, kind of takes me to what it looks like on Tuesday because the Orioles, despite the bullpen being great, they used a lot of this bullpen. I mean, we didn't see Mike Bauman. That was kind of the only guy who didn't pitch this weekend in terms of the relievers. So guys have been used. So the question becomes, who starts on Tuesday? And actually, Mike Bauman was not the only guy who didn't pitch because Dean Kramer also didn't pitch. He was warming up Sunday. He was going to come in and be the guy after Tyler Wells. You know, they said they'd go Wells. They would go kind of a middle guy. That became Felix Bautista, who got four outs. And then it looked like Kramer was going to come in. Then he stopped warming up, and Brandon Hyde just went to the rest of the bullpen. So we were thinking, you know, this whole plan has been piggybacking Tyler Wells. Where was Dean Kramer? Well, it comes out after the game Sunday that Dean Kramer had to stop warming up because he suffered an oblique injury while he was warming in the bullpen in the middle of Sunday's game. That's all the information we have for now on Sunday evening. So does that take Kramer out of the potential of starting on Tuesday? That's all up in the air for now. And even though he didn't pitch, the rest of the bullpen was pretty lights out this weekend. And I got to say, it was pretty impressive. But not everything was as impressive from the Orioles this weekend. And not even the rest of the pitching staff was this impressive. And uh, if you look at 
what the Orioles pitchers did this weekend, at least on the starting side, I would bet that maybe that win total that they've got from betonline.net might be going under this season, which was set at 62 and a half wins before the season started. They're now 0-3 for the first time since 2007. So if you want to jump on that win total at this point, or maybe start betting against the Orioles, head to betonline.net. But it's not just wagers you can place. You can do a whole lot at betonline.net. You can get sports scores. You can get your podcasts over there. You can get sports news. It is a one-stop shop for everything sports. And it's not just baseball, though the season has started. NBA playoffs about to kick off. NHL playoffs are getting closer and closer. Get all the odds over at betonline.net. And it's not even just those sports. You know, you can get Vegas casino games. You can go play your Vegas casino games right from the comfort of your own home. So you can do it all at betonline.net, where the game starts. So the Orioles' bullpen, pretty good. The Orioles' starters... Not as good over the weekend. Now, I'm going to take John Means out of this because John Means was pretty good. He starts opening day. We knew he wasn't going to go too deep into the game. Pitch count got up there. So he ends up throwing four innings. He gives up one run, just a couple of hits. He struck out five. Didn't walk anybody. John Means was pretty good. And he'll, you know, get built up throughout the season. You know, these starters, they they had to be held back a bit because the spring training was so short because of the lockout that you couldn't have guys ready to throw seven or eight innings. Remember, Means threw the seven scoreless innings with the one hit in Boston on opening day 2021. He just wasn't built up enough to throw that same kind of start in Tampa this weekend. So he gave four good innings. The rest of the innings from the starters this weekend were not too good. And that's the second big takeaway from the weekend. Starters not named John Means did not impress in their first go around. And each of them were making their first start in an Oriole uniform. So let's start with the Saturday guy, Jordan Lyles, the still biggest free agent signing that Mike Elias has made as GM. Gave him the one-year, $7 million deal to come in and just be a veteran who can throw some innings in this rotation. And to be fair to Lyles, he did have the longest start of the weekend for the Orioles, going five innings, but he got hit hard. He allowed seven hits, five runs total in those five innings, struck out two, walked three, and did allow a home run. And in five innings, there were 12 hard-hit balls against him. A hard-hit ball, according to StatCast, is a ball that comes off the bat with a 95-mile-per-hour exit velocity or higher. And there were 12 of them. That is a lot in five innings of work. Here's what's even worse. Lyles is a guy who throws five pitches, basically. All of them got hit hard. There wasn't even one pitch that was kind of working for him, it felt like. Fastball was about 93 miles an hour. That pitch was clobbered. He threw it about 34% of the time. It was his most used pitch. That four-seam fastball had a 101 average exit velocity against it. That means whenever somebody put the ball in play against Jordan Lyles' fastball on Saturday, the average exit velo was 101 miles an hour. Most of those balls are hits. It was not a good day for Lyles. He was squared up consistently. He was honestly really lucky to get through five innings. The Orioles had to make, in the fourth and fifth innings, couple of spectacular double plays in the infield defensively just to get him through those innings and get him through the five. And listen, it was nice that he went through five because, again, Means went four and Wells went an inning and two-thirds, as we'll talk about in a second. So it was nice to have the longest start come from Lyles and go five innings. And it was extra nice that Aiken came right in and threw the final three innings and the O's only had to use two pitchers in Saturday's loss. That was a positive, definitely. But Lyles didn't look good. 
And again, five runs over five innings isn't the worst start we're going to see from an Orioles starter this year. Let me tell you that. You could argue it wasn't even the worst start of the weekend from an Orioles starter. But the amount that he got hit hard, it feels like five innings, five runs was lucky for how hard he got hit. He probably should have given up more runs in less innings. So that's concerning. We're going to presumably see Lyles again on Friday at Oriole Park against the New York Yankees. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it gets better, but that was a little rough to watch. But then we move on to Tyler Wells, who I think a lot of people had much more confidence in heading into the weekend. You kind of know what Jordan Lyles is as a starter. You don't really know what Tyler Wells is as a starter yet. You know, Rule 5 pick last year, pitches out of the bullpen. Orioles stretch him back out in spring training. Put him in the starting rotation to make his first career start on Sunday. And Brandon Hyde said before the game, four innings would be the absolute maximum for Wells. And he said he'll pitch somewhere between three and four innings was the plan. So best case scenario sounded like four innings from Tyler Wells. Well, Tyler Wells did not get those three innings in. In fact, he didn't get two innings in. Final line for Wells, inning and two-thirds, three hits, four runs, two Ks, two walks, and a home run allowed. He threw 54 pitches, and he only recorded five outs. Couldn't even get out of the second. Had to have Felix Bautista come in and finish off the second inning after he threw a a meatball fastball, and Brandon Lau deposited it into right center field for a two-run homer to make it a 4-0 game in the second. Now, it was a a tale of two innings, for sure, for Tyler Wells. First inning, he does allow a base runner, but he gets two strikeouts, both with the slider, fastball, slider, changeup, look good. He puts up a scoreless first. Yeah, the pitch count was in the mid-20s. He had to work for it, but looked good. Comes back out in the second, walk, walk, infield hit that was just poorly played by Wells. Ball hit off his glove, and then he, he made a mess of it at first base. Base is loaded. Then you think he's maybe settling down. He gets ahead of Zanino and then made a pretty good pitch, but Zanino put a good swing on it, hits a sack fly to center to make it a one nothing game. And then, you know, the Rays drive in another run. You make it 2 nothing. You feel like, all right, there's two outs. You settle down. And then he just throws a fastball down the middle to a great power hitter in hashtag Kia Terp, Brandon Lau, and Lau hits two-run homer. And there goes Tyler Wells. So again, thought there were definitely positives from the first inning. There were definitely negatives. And a lot of them in that second inning when he allowed four runs. But this doesn't take Wells out of the rotation. Presumably, we'll see Tyler Wells again Saturday at Oriole Park against the Yankees. He'll get a nice long break in between there. Maybe he'll even pitch out of the pen one day this week just because he only threw 54 pitches. But we'll probably just see him again on Saturday against the Yankees. And the plan will probably be, once again, three to four innings because he only threw an inning and two-thirds in his first start. And there'll be another guy piggybacking off him, and hopefully Kramer is okay, or maybe it's Aiken or Bauman or you know Spencer Watkins gets added to the roster. Whomever it is, you know, he gets piggybacked again. But, again, it wasn't great, but the first inning looked good, and the stuff was still solid. I mean, the fastball velocity was 95-96, and there was some bad defense involved. I mean... They, they dropped a pop-up that, that landed in foul territory, but it should have been an easy out and got, kept his pitch count down. There was some bad de- – honestly, there was some bad defense by him, and I get that that's on him, but also, you know, it's not exactly his pitching that let him down. And again, the first inning was solid. So it's, it's a TBD on our thoughts as well as, as a starter. Just not a great beginning, but he's obviously going to get another shot. But it's kind of what it was like for Lyles and for Wells. Not a great beginning, but they're going to get – More shots at this next weekend. 
against the Yankees, and uh, we'll see how that goes against another really good lineup that obviously has given Orioles pitchers problems over the last couple of years. But, you know, speaking of things that have given people problems, it's the idea of wanting to eat healthy, but wanting to have your food still taste good. That's where Built Bar comes in because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You get all the benefits of a usual protein bar. You get 17 grams of protein. You get you know a low amount of calories and low carbs, but it's delicious. It doesn't have that chalky kind of cardboard taste that some protein bars have. No, no, no. Got great flavors like peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate, and many others, and they're delicious. So you feel good about it. You're eating good and it's yummy. It tastes like a candy bar. It is your treat every day, but it's still good for you. So if you want to get your hands on some of these Built Bars, go to Built.com, and if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So for the Orioles, pitching-wise over the weekend, bullpen good. Starting pitching, not so good. That's the first two big takeaways from the weekend. And the third big takeaway for the Orioles is that... You know what? The offense wasn't as bad as it looked on the scoreboard. But man, can somebody please get a hit with runners in scoring position? Third big takeaway, Orioles couldn't get a clutch hit this weekend, essentially. You look at the O's, who at the end of the day came up with four runs in three games. Not good. Scored once Friday, three times Saturday, did not score on Sunday. And the offensive stats, well, 21 hits. You know, 21 hits in three games, it's not ideal. You would like more. But it's about seven hits a game. It's not horrendous. They got runners on. They worked some walks. They had base runners. But four runs on 21 hits, it's when you kind of know something's going wrong. The Orioles were a combined two for 24 with runners in scoring position over the weekend. Let me say that again. Two for 24. And both those hits came in Saturday's game. They were a combined 0 for 17 Friday and Sunday with runners in scoring position. Guess what? They scored a combined one run in those two games. So they're getting guys on base, and I was pretty impressed by that. But they left 25 guys on base in three games. You can't do that. Listen, they had some guys with some good offensive weekends. Ryan Mountcastle had a five-hit weekend including his two-run homer in Saturday's game, first of hopefully 40 home runs here in 2022. You had Ramon Arias look good at times. Anthony Santander had a really hot start to the season. Jorge Mateo had some really good-looking plate appearances, worked a couple of walks over the weekend. Austin Hayes had an extra base hit. You know, Cedric Mullins started off rough, but then finished Sunday's game strong. You had a lot of guys who looked like they were swinging it fairly well for the Orioles this weekend. Trey Mancini had a few hits. He, he Trey definitely looked good as well. But... Nobody could drive anybody in. And that's going to come. The runners in scoring position, it's not a great stat to go off of because it's almost like, yeah, I get the scenarios are different when there's a guy on first or a guy on second. But if it's the third inning with one out and there's a guy on first, and then in another scenario, it's the third inning with one out and a guy on second, people put a whole lot of stock in a difference in those two spots but really how much different are those two spots in the span of a nine-inning baseball game 
over the span of a 162-game season. They're not very different. So at the end of the day, runners in scoring position stats are a little overrated. You know, guys who hit well with them, it's not as much of a skill as just maybe a little bit of luck and, and when they're getting their hits. They're a little more timely. But still, it's it's annoying to watch a team go two for 24 in a weekend and know that, like, the Orioles hit well enough to win at least one game this weekend in Tampa. I don't think the offense was the center cut number one issue for getting swept in this series. I think they hit well enough to win at least one game, and they got a little unlucky as well when they got their hits. And, you know, Ryan Mountcastle hit a ball to the warning track in the seventh inning on Sunday that in, you know, the, the stat was that it would have been a home run in nine ballparks in Major League Baseball. It would have been a three-run homer that cut it to a four-to-three game in the seventh. Would have made it a completely different baseball game on Sunday because in the bottom half of that inning, Rays just turn it around, get four runs, and, and pull away in that game. So, yeah, there were a couple of, of unlucky spots as well for the O's, but you hope that just it's kind of bad luck and it turns into good luck in their next series. But there they are, three big takeaways from the weekend. Orioles swept by the Rays and start the year 0-3 again for the first time since 2007. But for the Orioles, great thing about baseball, you turn around the next day and you get to play again. And happy home opener day here in Baltimore as the Orioles are back in the Charm City today to open up a three-game series with the Milwaukee Brewers, kind of an interesting team to open your home season with, but the Brewers are in town this week for three games, Monday through Wednesday. And it all starts today, a 3.05 p.m. Eastern time start at the most beautiful ballpark in baseball, Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And the hometown kid, Bruce Zimmerman, the left-hander, is going to make his first ever home opener start for the Orioles, the 27-year-old lefty who had a 5.04 ERA in 64 and a third innings last year will get the start for the Orioles today. And Adrian Hauser is going to go for the Brewers, 29-year-old right-hander who was just awesome last year for Milwaukee. 142 innings, had a 3.22 ERA for the Brewers as their number four starter last year. Slots right back in there this year, and uh, we'll see what the O's can do against a Milwaukee team that also lost a series this weekend. You know, they lost two of three to the Cubs, lost the first two games, uh, did come away with a 5-4 win in the Sunday game to salvage the final game of the series, but they're trying to get things a little back on track as well. And in terms of the Orioles-Brewers home opener, we will have all the reaction from it coming up on tomorrow's episode. We'll also preview the rest of the Brewers series coming up tomorrow as well. And this week also on the pod, we got four more episodes coming up. Also going to take a look back at the Oriole offseason and tell you why, despite everyone kind of knowing that the O's are still in this rebuild, why Mike Elias really did fail for the first time, I think, in an Orioles offseason between 2021 and 2022. But again, we'll be back tomorrow recapping the Orioles' home opener. Hopefully, they've got win number one on the board. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.